Okay there, friend. Are we ready, spaghetti? We're ready, spaghetti. We're ready, spaghetti, in this beautiful Black History Month where, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know why this is the first thing that popped into my head, but I feel like it's on topic. So mm-hmm. I was watching um, something with The Flash, uh-huh. and they were saying, like, in the, you know how in The Flash they made the characters black instead of white, like Iris West? And they have a moment where, like, they're like, oh, it's our grandma's famous spaghetti recipe. And the actress, Candace Patton, was like, you know this was written by a white person because black people do not have their grandma's the famous spaghetti, spaghetti recipe. recipe. <laughs> they don't, we, we don't eat spaghetti. <laughs> and I was like, you know what, this is a perfect, that's perfect. So, yes, we are ready spaghetti. However... As this is Black History Month, we should be saying something else. Like, are we ready, Jamaican Patty? That's, don't say don't say that to me. No, oh. that's very racist. Yeah, that does. That's not what I meant. Well, yeah, we're ready, okra, Jamaican Patty. Fried, fried. Okra, are you ready, fried okra? okra? Are we ready, ready. Aki and Selfish? <laughs> are we ready, Ting? Uh. <laughs> okay, so welcome to Icola Spider for you. My name is Catherine, and I'm Carmen. And this is our bi-weekly podcast where we talk about whatever we'd like. Mm-hmm. And as it is Black History Month, mm-hmm. the shortest month of the year, we are focusing on Black things. Um, for context, I am Black. Carmen is not. Carmen is mm-hmm. of the Browns. Yes, I am of the aged parchment, as I like to call it. I mean, in the summer, she can get even down to like a like a, like a walnut shell. But yeah. like, you know... <laughs> Carmen is of the Browns, I am of the Blacks, and we are here to talk about um, our favorite sort of Black, queer, or female, or I guess, Black women or queer women, revolutionaries and revolutionary figures. Mm -hmm. And why we're talking about them is because the men in these categories, the straight men, straight Black men, take up a lot of space. So much space. And... Here's the thing about the the black men. Now, I'm not discounting any of their achievements or the work they've done for the community. A hundred percent. I am saying that when you go and Google them, you find out a lot more shit and a lot more problematic things than you would think. And when you Google the women and the queer people, it's usually not the case. No. When you Google the men, it's usually... And then he denied his wife treatment for her disease. And then he <laughs> cheated on his wife who freed him from slavery with a white woman in her house. In her house, Frederick, Frederick Douglass? In Ugh. her house. And then he also cheated on her with a bunch of white women in not his house, in someone else's house. And then he told his wife that all women were trash and beat her up. And you're like, you know, the amount of happening. There were quite a few. Now, not a lot. But there were a few Black Panthers, mm-hmm. notable Black Panthers, who were also notable women beaters. I mean, yeah. And, you know, listen, we're to be clear, we're not saying this is a Black men-specific thing. No. This is a, a, a men-specific thing. Men in power. Thing. Very, in, unfortunately, a men in power-specific thing. However, it is always a bummer when you Google, like, I mean, he's not black, but when you Google, like, Che Guevara, and you're like, oh. What a womanizing piece of shit. You're like, okay, well, never mind. <laughs> and even ones who aren't hot, you know, Gandhi, out here having naked girls sleep beside him so he can resist his temptation, and then not letting 
his wife go to the hospital and then himself going <laughs> to the hospital. You know, you know, <sighs> you know why we're talking about women and queer women and queer people. Mm-hmm. Because generally speaking, mm-hmm. the tomfoolery is just at a much lower register. Yeah. And generally, I think also sometimes the focus that they have on revolutionary slash activism work in whatever way that looks like, I feel like sometimes is a bit more holistic mm-hmm. than sometimes the men, which is very interesting because... And a lot less grandstanding. Yeah, I think so. I think, and and I think it depends, but I, because uh, there's definitely some revolutionaries that I, that I know of that are like, so like men that I've, I've heard of that were really, really great, but yeah, of course. But also like, I feel like a lot of the, the stuff the women did goes unnoticed and or unappreciated because one, women's labor is always underappreciated or just completely not appreciated at all. Or some of the work that women did in movements were seen as not as important as the militant work. But I think that also has to do with like gendered labor, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of organizations back in the day, I think less so now, maybe, but definitely back in the day, like a lot of it was like, the militarized work and the militarized like things that people did were seen as much more important than things mm-hmm. like um or like got a lot more attention i guess than things like the free lunch programs or like tutoring or mm-hmm. whatever else and i mean that always kind of happens but i do feel like in society that's very much like a gender bias because it's not seen as like as radical even though it kind of is the foundation of all types of change making. That is very true. And when women are, women are involved in militant work, their contributions often get overlooked. Oh, 100%. Or minimized. Or if like, like, like a woman could lead a revolution, they'll be like, and the man who <laughs> helped her through it. And you're like, what? <laughs> okay. Oh, God. Or for anybody um, who has ever had the um, privilege of meeting people who were revolutionaries i personally Catherine has also just from um my own family um yeah so my my um you know i know revolutionaries within my family obviously not black revolutionaries but revolutionaries nonetheless who did militant work and the amount of sexual harassment that the women encounter in militarized movements is fucking wild it's bananas it doesn't make any sense and it's quite common, apparently, in a lot of movement work, the sexual harassment that women face. Um, and also, I don't know, Catherine, if you've ever um, noticed, but like, I do feel like sometimes when folks are queer, unless it's like, unless it's like super obvious, it's maybe something that like they tried, like it's like pushed aside. It's almost like an afterthought where it's where it could like, it could have encompassed and informed so much of what they did. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, Blah, blah, blah. And he's gay. But anyway, and so yeah. then this happened. He, he organized the uh, Million Man March. He's gay, but who cares? You know. <coughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it's important to talk about that because especially with Black History Month, the amount of violence that Black women have faced and queer Black folks have faced even within organizing has been fucking bananas. Yep. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's really nothing other than like, yeah, uh huh. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And so it's not great. And I mean, I know we all have like disappointments and stuff, but Catherine, I think it would be good for you to talk about your love of uh, Frederick Douglass. It was so disappointing. Because <laughs> I just, I just did love, I love Frederick Douglass and I thought he was, you know, <laughs> I, when you have like, I think Carmen can relate to this as well with certain revolutionaries that she has prized. When you Mm -hmm. have someone, you're like, oh, they're black and they're like a very important historical figure. And Mm -hmm. um, he was my phone background for a little bit. I really did. I really did love Frederick Douglass. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, let me look into his like life a little bit more, like not outside of his um, revolutionary work and his activism work. And then you find out that his wife, who like paid for him. To be released from slavery, I'm pretty sure, unless I'm misremembering, but I think that's the case. Um, he would have affairs in her house and have women living with them, white women living with them. <sighs> and I was like, the disrespect. <laughs> Can you imagine freeing a man from slavery? And then he cheats on you and not just cheats on you outside of your home, in your home. He brings her home to live with you, and she's a white lady. With white ladies. In like the 18, what were the 18 something? Whatever's. <laughs> I'm, it, to this day, it makes me live it. Like anytime anyone is like, ooh, friend, I'm like, that piece of shit. Like I knew her personally. I'm like, girl, leave. Like this is, it's, it couldn't be more disappointing. Mm-hmm. It couldn't, it really couldn't be more disappointing. <laughs> I remember when you told me that and you were so, like, when you first learned about it and you were so disappointed and I was like, he did what? Right? What do you mean? And looked down on her because apparently she was quote unquote less educated. I'm like, what what do you, what do you, you you dumbass? Piece of shit. I I can't imagine. Can't imagine it. The audacity. I'm so glad that the audacity of men has always been around. (laughs) Truly? (laughs) Truly insane, his audacity. And you know what? I remember, um, so there's a movie called Harriet, which is about Harriet Tubman. It's not very good. I Basically, Harriet Tubman has, like, god superpowers in that movie. It's very strange. Anyway. Um, they have Frederick, yeah, there's, like, like, they make it so, like, she had, like, a head injury as a child or something. And then through that, she has, like, actual seer powers. Like, she could see things that are going to happen when she prays. It's a weird choice. And they invented this like white um, master character who's like kind of in love with her. It's a, it's, a, it's lots of weird. Cynthia reveals, Cynthia reveals beautiful, but it's a lot of weird choices. It's a, it's um, a choice. <laughs> and they have a, I think, I don't know if they ever say he's Frederick Douglass in the movie, but they have a man who I'm pretty sure is supposed to be Frederick Douglass. Mm-hmm. And he's so condescending. And <laughs> it makes me laugh every time I think about it. <laughs> What an absolute asshat of a human being. But the thing is, his contributions are great. So despite him being a waste man. Truly a waste man. He still contributed great things to the cause. You know? So it fucking sucks. It fucking sucks. I don't even know what to think. Um, Yeah, I, I think it's important to remember that when we're thinking about black history month now we need to really consider like 
all of the marginalized um, like identities within that, right? Because it's not like people live in a vacuum of just being a race, right? Like you could also have a disability. You could also be in a different like country. You could be living in a city that's majority white people. You could um, be queer. You could, you know, all sorts of different things. So I just think mm-hmm. that it's good to understand that people come from different spaces and I don't I'm I don't think we're saying that you should forget like the contributions of Malcolm X or um you know Martin Luther King obviously or Frederick Douglass or Frederick I'm looking Douglass. it up for 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 clarity's sake she gave him she helped him escape from slavery gave him some for saving sold some of her like things to help this man what an absolute asshat of a human being. Anne Murray Douglas, a legend, honestly. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we're not saying that you should hate these men. No. We are saying that, like, it's okay to still be critical of them and yes. critical of their personal lives because mm-hmm. that, because you cannot, I think sometimes people like to pretend that you can take a person's personal life out of their activism. Uh-huh. And that's just not true. No. You can't take someone's personal life out of anything that they do. No. It's an actual important part of of them, of their work, of how they approach things. And so we're not saying or minimizing their contributions. We are saying you can call Martin Luther King uh, Jr. a waste man if you feel, <laughs> if you so choose, you know? You can call him a womanizer. Yeah. Because yeah. he certainly was. And also putting people on pedestals is just like not a sustainable thing to do. Not and oftentimes, the people who are going to hate and try and take down um, a movement are always going to find the flaws in the person because we're used to putting people on pedestals. So what did the yeah. FBI do when they found out that Martin Luther King was a womanizer? They put fucking, you know, microphones and shit and recorded him like having affairs with white women and then threatened to expose him if he didn't. And I don't know if this is like real or if this is like contested. I saw this in the which movie was it? There were it was in actually it was it was it Selma. It was in Selma. Selma. But that not only Selma, I think it was also in the uh, uh, Ed, what is it Hoover? J Edgar Hoover. It probably was in the It was movie also movie. in that movie. So I feel like To be clear, our sources aren't movies, we're just referencing movies. Yeah, I just know <laughs> that that happened and so and they were like you need to say no to the Nobel Peace Prize or we're going to out you or whatever. And aye, aye, aye. and he was like, nah. <laughs> so he just went ahead, um, which I think is great. But also, like, he wouldn't have been in this mess had he not been a womanizer. But what happens is oftentimes with power is that people um, get to kind of do whatever they want and they end up going unchecked. And then that yep. also means that the work of people, um, of the work that's being done by people in the background is often like not necessarily always appreciated. And that's not always the case, but always remember with movement work, if especially if there's like one person as like the face of it, remember the amount of people in the background who are making it possible for folks to be able to do that. So I think that's really important to keep in mind. Right, Catherine? I agree 100%. You know, speaking of Martin Luther King Jr., I want to talk a little bit, not in depth, but a little bit about Coretta Scott King, Uh, his wife. Mm -hmm. Because the thing about Martin Luther King is all we know, he was assassinated. I mean, Mm -hmm. do we, does does everyone, does everyone know, everyone knows, right? Everyone knows? Because I feel like sometimes people don't know. (laughs) Well, by white supremacists, 
But also could have been other people. The government. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, but to be clear, he was assassinated. Um, it's so funny how much you don't hear about him him being assassinated. You know, you know what I mean? It's almost like he just disappeared. Do you like, think it was that's in a 1968 and he floated away into the wind? I don't think so. Because I feel like it might be a Canadian thing or it just might be like a anti-black thing in school systems and education but i bet you a lot of white americans are not taught that he was assassinated you know what i mean um so anyway. then what do they think happened to him he just lived he a long floated life. away <laughs> into he, he like he like um what's that guy's name odin he like turned into gold dust on a cliff and oh just my god <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Coretta Scott King was a activist for very. She died in when was she? Did she die? She died when she was seventy eight in two thousand and six, and she was an activist her whole life. And she contributed to like the LGBT movement. She um, was uh, opposed to like like unjust wars, like the Iraq War. She was an activist her whole life, and I want to talk about that. But I also want to mention while googling her. Did you know she was terrorized by a serial killer? Oh, don't say that. So um, his name was Lyndon Fitzgerald Pace. And he was a serial killer and a burglar who would like go after elderly women um, in like Atlanta and stuff. And right. one of the women so happened to be Coretta Scott King. Now, she, of course, was not murdered by this man. Thank but the Lord. <laughs> it, it was the craziest fact. While Googling Coretta Scott King, I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? Um, yeah, so if you want to look into that, look into that. That's a, like a true crime, true crime digression. But, uh, yeah. She was opposed to apartheid. Um, and she just, like, continued activism her whole life. And when do you ever hear people talking about Coretta Scott... Goodness, can't say her name. Coretta Scott King. What? Do you know what I mean? I feel like people don't talk about her at all. I feel like most yeah, people... Yeah, I feel like I've whenever... There are stuff I've seen in the U.S. Again, yeah. the U.S., not Canada. In the U.S. Mm -hmm. where I've seen folks talk about her. But like, yeah, definitely not as much. They kind of just... I find She's that just often, the wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I mean. A lot of it is the wife. And who knows? Like, we haven't... Obviously, we haven't been in, like, American history classes. But I, I very much doubt that they <laughs> focus on the wives... Uh, regardless of how um, intelligent and or accomplished they may be, mm -hmm. right? Because, like, I don't even remember the name of, of – this is terrible, but do you remember Malcolm X's wife's name? I do not, and I know her name. I remember her name. Yeah. But I don't remember her name. Yeah. Because if you said it, I'd be like, oh, yeah, Malcolm X's wife. And usually, again, with all these men who end up dying – Betty Shabazz. Um, there it is. Usually with all these men who end up dying early, it's their wives who continue the work. Yeah. Until their dying day. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so it's just really hard to kind of be in a space or be in a setting, especially like we want to make sure that we change the ways in which movements are understood and, and appreciated and things. And um if we keep falling into the same pattern of like falling into the patriarchy, regardless of how anti-racist we're trying to be, it's not going to get us anywhere mm -hmm. because not we're just going to fall into the same shit patterns that we fall, we fall in before. And um, like a really good book that I love a lot is um, Asada Shakur's um, biography. Mm -hmm. um, or is it an autobiography? Yeah, it's an autobiography, I think. And um, she is 
It's such a good book because she talks about her time as a Black Panther and she talks about how she wanted to actually be militant. And one of her frustrations that she talked about was that because she was a woman, she was often delegated to doing what they considered women's work. So it was a lot of like the tutoring or like, you know, the childcare stuff, the tutoring, um, or like more like administrative type of stuff. And she really wanted to do more of the militant work. Um, and like, who knows what that means, right? Like that doesn't mean that the childcare and the other stuff is not as impactful. If anything, I personally think that it's more impactful, but for her, she felt like her purpose like didn't lie there. And so she wanted to do other work and like, she had to really fight to be able to do the other work, which like, I don't know. I think that's bananas. Like, I think it's crazy that you have people willing to do it. And they're like, no, you're a lady. You have a vagina. You can't do anything militant. You have a vagina. And you have I, to go take care of the kids. You have to go take care of the kids. Feed what are you doing food. out here? Do tutoring. And like, it's anyway, again. And it's, it's not that those, that, that that work isn't important. No. But you should be able to choose that work. And men can also do that work. Exactly. And, and that also makes me wonder, like, how many men wanted to do that work? But we're forced to like walk around with guns and shit because it was like, <laughs> right? it was like, you're a man. You shouldn't be you're doing this. You're a man. This. You should be doing this. Yeah. You should like, be out here. Some like. Protecting like, the ladies. <laughs> dainty man, like having to be out on the streets while a militant woman like swaddles a baby. It's very Yeah. Strange. It's very, it's just like, and it's, it's not that it always happened. And I'm sure that there were people like Asada Shakur obviously, <laughs> obviously ended up getting to do what she needed to do um and went underground and all of that stuff but it definitely it definitely makes you wonder it also makes me wonder how many people were turned off to movement work because they just didn't get to be their authentic selves in the movement which happens a lot even now like you hear about it a lot like the amount of ableism i've encountered trying to be like involved in various like activism related things and i'm just like this is awful um and very discouraging it is very discouraging and then often i think if anything it disenfranchises people more and then they just don't necessarily want to be involved or like related to those people yeah in any way and this is what causes all of the uh, ridiculous splintering in these groups Mm -hmm. i mean listen listen i'll give the white supremacists this they are unified (laughs) in their cause because they only have one thing and their message (laughs) yeah I remember my godfather has this thing that he always says where he's like, how do I say this without explaining where he is? Okay. So uh, my godfather always (laughs) says that um, leftists are always fighting each other and the right is always fighting us. And he's like, we're too busy arguing with each other about Uh bullshit (laughs) and fighting amongst each other on stupid shit like theory when we could just be supporting each other and getting shit done. And he's like, do you know how easy it is for the right to get together? They just care about money and being on top. Do you know how easy it is for them to organize? it's so easy for them to organize. (laughs) They are so single-minded and so just like, it's so simple for them. The only time I've really kind of noticed that there's been fracturing is with the whole Trump thing. There are some like conservatives who are like, I think we've gone too far. Here, but those are conservatives. I feel like there's a difference between, like, I mean, here's the thing. They're all probably have very similar views, but there is, like, an old-timey conservative (laughs) that is, like, conservative in a way where you're like, yeah, you were born in 1925. What what do we, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. And then there's a conservative where you're like, oh, no. 
oh no 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 fascism (laughs) and the thing is it's like it's very funny actually as a full digression but like when you look at like um when all of this sort of white supremacy started really like infiltrating um conserve the conservative party in the states for example Mm -hmm. or in canada Mm -hmm. like People who were conservative, like long, were like horrified by it because they don't want to be associated with white supremacists. Sure, white supremacists used to be just like, like yeah, your cousin's a white supremacist, but you don't talk about it in your politics. <laughs> and now, and now it's so front and center, and it's just like those old timey conservatives just like have nowhere to go. <laughs> That's why you have things like like what what is John McCain's wife's name? I don't know. Fuck, Whatever that lady being like, I'm voting Democrat, like because like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's dear. like, well, I'm not a white supremacist. I just want, I want, I want to get rich and get mine. Like basically, they're yeah, all like, literally same like rappers. It's, it's very similar. Yeah, it's just like that's just what it is. I just, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. It's, it's pretty wild. Um, yeah. So I wanted to bring up some folks that I, um, that I wanted to talk about that I yeah, thought were lovely. Please do. Um, let me just grab my notes here. So the first person I'm going to talk about is the love of my life, but I only encountered her and knew about her within the last year. Um, and I just feel like, where was she in my life all these years before? Again, mm-hmm. a revolutionary that we otherwise, like I otherwise would not have known about if I had not picked up some rando book um, that I bought at, at, on an anarchist book website. Um, oh, man. <laughs> like, it sucks. Anyway, so her name is Lucy Parsons. Oh. She was born I as never heard uh, Lucia Carter. She was born in 1851 or 1853. They're not sure she was born um, into slavery. Um, mm-hmm. Or she was born, maybe it wasn't slavery, but she was definitely born into some fucked upness apparently which is why they don't have an exact date of her um what's it called of her birth um and so she uh considered herself an anarcho-communist so right up my alley um she was also a labor activist and um so how i found out about her is that i started reading this book like i bought i wanted to buy a bunch of like foundational books about like anarchy and stuff and some of the history of it and I yep. found this book called Classic um, Classic Writings in Anarchist Criminology. A real page turner for anyone who's... <laughs> <laughs> it sounds thrilling, um, And it was basically like most of the book is just a bunch of like white folks, like old yep. white men, which of course you would imagine so if it's classical writings on anarchist criminology. Uh, but I really, I really enjoyed reading it and I thought it was really good. And there was this one chapter which was an essay that she wrote um, like later on in life. And I was like, who is this woman? And I, um, they give you like the, the book of essays that it came out of, um, like that they took like the excerpt from. Catherine, mm-hmm. I literally went to the library and like, or like I Googled, not Googled it, but I like checked the Toronto library because I was like, let me see, because... I think I saw it online somewhere and the only place I found it, it was like $300 to get this book. Oh, Jesus. Okay. For her writings. And then so I went online to the library and they only have a copy of it at the Toronto Reference Library and you can't take it out. It's one of those books. And I was Ooh. like, this is this is on purpose. You don't want us to read her shit. Because I read her shit and I was like, this is so good. 
this is this was written in the 1800s and it's so like relevant to today and i just mm-hmm. like not that there's like conspiracy shit but i definitely think that there's a lot of writings that like and people we don't hear about because it's oh lost the time because it's like dangerous because like they're the ones that we do hear about we're lucky to hear about you know what i mean yeah exactly like or they were in a position where because of their influence like at the time they were able to remain relevant but for the yeah. most part man lost the history Exactly. And that's, and it's so upsetting. So um, I have a few quotes by her, but just so you know, like some of her notable stuff is that, so she, uh, the Chicago PD, this is my favorite accomplishment for her, by the way. I think this is the greatest thing. She got arrested a lot. As an anarcho-communist, she got arrested a fuck ton. Ooh, the other thing I like about her is that she's an anarchist and she's a woman. And I think that oftentimes when people think of anarchy, they think of straight white dudes. Yeah, they sure do. <laughs> Um, so the Chicago police department called her more dangerous than a thousand rioters. Ooh. Okay. Right? That if I, if Catherine, if I die in a police department calls me more dangerous than a thousand rioters, I need that on my tombstone. I don't Carmen, even want Carmen, to be Carmen. buried. If but that I'll be buried ever happened, I will get the, that. You know me. I don't have tattoos. I'm not getting tattoos. <laughs> I would get that tattooed across my chest. <laughs> About my best friend who was more dangerous than a hundred rioters. Oh, so beautiful. And then she also um, founded, she was a, she participated in the founding of the Industrial Workers of the World, also known as the mm-hmm. IWW, um, which is an incredible organization. And I know like people have contentious feelings about unions sometimes, but it is one of the coolest or like labor activism organizations. It's worldwide. Um it's for like working class people. They do really cool shit. And so she was one of the founders, which people don't, I feel like people don't know about that when they think of like the IWW for anybody who does like labor work. And I'm like, guys, she was amazing. Um, and she also was the editor of an anarchist newspaper. Um, and she gave speeches into her 80s. She gave anarchist oh. speeches when she, where she got arrested into her 80s. What is she? Who is this? What was her name again? Lucy Parsons. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm googling right now. <laughs> and I would like to give you some quotes, Catherine. Please do. Starting from the tamest to the least tame. Um. So the Carmen, first quote. Do you like her because she has Gonzalez in her name? Lucy Parsons. Oh, she did. No, it's Lucia. It's Lucia Carter. Oh, it is Gonzalez. Um, no. <laughs> Even here, you found yourself an Afro-Latina. I <laughs> did not mean Go to. On. Um, Go on. Actually, I don't know because they didn't say her back. Or they just said that she was from like Chicago or something. So who knows? Uh, Lucy Eldin Gonzalez Parsons, born Lucia Carter. I thought Carter. maybe she was married in. To maybe. To someone um but anyway so she gave speeches into her 80s so the first quote i'm going to give you is my mind is appalled at the thought of a political party having control of all of the details that go to make up the sum total of our lives which is like you know i think a pretty like standard anarchist belief yeah right um and then the next one um is okay um do not go out do not go out on strike. Remain in and take possession of the property of production. If anyone is to starve, let it be the capitalist class. Which I think, like, that one's quite good. Do you mm-hmm. not think? Oh, no, that's good. That's a good one. 
And then uh, the other one is let us devastate the avenues where the wealthy live. A little bit more hardcore. Let us devastate the avenues. Are you going to get any t-shirts with this embroidered on it? Or I, I should. I should. And then the last quote that I want to give you, Catherine, that I think you should really like fully take in mm-hmm. is um, let every dirty, lousy tramp arm himself with a revolver or a knife and lay in wait on the steps of the palaces of the rich and stab or shoot the owners as they come out. Let us kill them without mercy and let it be war. Let it be a war of extermination. Carmen, um, please send me. I'm going to get that. I will. I'm not kidding you. You're getting a shirt with that on it. And I will also be having a shirt with that on it. When I tell you, when I found out about her, I immediately messaged my anarchist friend and I was like, who is she? And he was like, oh, he's like, have we not talked about her before? And I was like, no. How did you not tell me about this woman? Mm. Um and the problem is all of the books about her, of course, are autobiographies. So I, or not autobiographies, biographies. I can't actually find her writing outside of this one essay in this one book. Unless I go to the Toronto Reference Library and like dig. Wow. Okay. Which means she must be super fucking dangerous if they're not publishing her work. Oh, that's really good. That's right? good. I enjoyed that. That's really great. Right? And you know what's funny? I think she kind of looks like you. Um, she is a uh, she is mixed. Oh, yeah, that's well, the other thing. Her mom. That's the other kind of issue. Um, it's believed that her father was this slave, enslaver, slave owner, oh, enslaver, slave owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like she kind of looks like you. That's funny. Which <laughs> is funny because you know who I think I kind of look like. Who? Ida B. Wells. <laughs> <laughs> is that who you're gonna talk about? Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I was going to talk about her. Um, also born into slavery in 1862. They actually do have a birth year for her. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you've ever seen a picture of Ida B. Wells, it's that one where her head's turned to the side and her hair is like a yeah. little poof. Great picture. Amazing woman. So the most, or not the most, but so Ida B. Wells may be best known for her writings, but also because she was one of the founders of the NAACP. Yeah. Which, you know, has many of its problems. Like, have Remember you ever looked at the- Remember when they hired Rachel Dolezal for that? Have time? you ever looked at the pictures <laughs> of the white people who also helped found the NAACP? No, I haven't. Actually. They are- They are. Okay, there's a man named, like, William English Williamson or something. It's, like, so- <laughs> it, That's literally his name. That might actually literally be his name. It's the whitest man you've ever seen in your life is one of the founding members That's of the NAACP. That's very funny. And like, yeah, W.B. Du Bois and et cetera. Um, but included in that is Ida B. Wells. But the thing that I find most um, noteworthy about Ida B. Wells is mm-hmm. her writings about lynching and slavery oh. and her like comprehensive record of the lynchings that were happening. Oh, no. So she like, that's <laughs> the thing, because she was born into slavery, right? Yeah. But then she's like, becomes a journalist, becomes mm-hmm. a writer and um, wrote like and wrote and researched and like went and found out about like the i think it's called what is it called the southern it's called like southern horrors mm-hmm. and i think there's also one called like the red record and it's a lot of like very comprehensive writing about lynchings and Oof. about the like the falsehoods that these people were lynched under and i think she said something like that like the greatest lie is that the that the lust of black men like for white women is the reason why they're um being lynched being lynched ugh She's, i know so, so that's the thing she was called the race agitator 
Um, and she had a huge influence on on black feminist actors. And funnily enough, when I was like doing like my quick Google, I was like, quotes from Frederick Douglass about Ida B. Wells. And he was like, you go girl. Like it was very. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Can you imagine you went back in time and Frederick was like, you go girl. You go girl. That's the vibe that he seems to have. Like, I'm like you didn't write about this yourself, but okay. Um, but yeah. I have read some of her work. I don't have any, I didn't bring any quotes from her. If mm-hmm. you want to do like look up any of her writings, please mm-hmm. do because they are very well written, but it, it's a bummer. No, because she was, but I just love the fact that this woman was like, you know what I'm going to write about? Mm-hmm. You and I'm going to take on lynchings and I'm going to be thorough and we're going to talk about this and we're going to find out why and when and who and how. You know, what's interesting about that? So with the work that I do with, like, the grief stuff that I do, mm-hmm. women are often – because, like, women in a lot of cultures are, like, the keepers of knowledge. And they're also the keepers of, like, history, mm-hmm. um, especially in relation to, like, intergenerational trauma stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So she's really, like, doing the truth-telling and she's <laughs> doing the um, women's work of uh, record-keeping and history-keeping, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. Um that's fucking she must have been i don't even know what to say because i feel like hearing that i'm like how tired was she all the time truly true see look this is ida b maybe the pictures will be like me and you in these things this is ida b (laughs) wells right oh yeah you know what's so funny yeah i didn't never notice about lucy parsons yeah (laughs) yeah it's It's just us (laughs) pictures of us Uh, it's very funny um yeah i just think it's really interesting that these like like we do hear obviously about ida b wells but we don't necessarily hear about like the insane amount of record keeping that she did nor do i feel like people would really take the time to think like how much emotional labor must it it have taken her like her like would you do that Catherine? no no i'm writing about lynching it's a fucking (laughs) bummer like truly and that's what i was thinking about when i you were talking about how difficult it is to find um the writings of lucy parsons i was like ida b wells you can find her writings i have i have her book on my bookshelf yeah but it's because she's one of the founders of the NAACP. you know what i mean yeah so like her legacy was allowed to continue and people didn't just like remember that lady who wrote about lynchings like it's you know what i mean yeah no, and I think that's, like, I mean, anarchists always get the shit end of the stick in every movement. We're always, they're always like, who? They helped us? I don't know who, I don't know them. I don't know who? I don't know who they are. So, you know, that's always going to happen with anarchists. But, um, yeah, I feel bad for her. It's, like, important work. But, my oh, God, she, was, she, she must have been traumatized. Um, Oh, and she was living in it. It's not even like it's not even like it's detached in centuries. She was no, literally like living was as it was happening. Living as it was happening, like born into this. Like she was literally um, freed by the Emancipation Pro- um, Proclamation. That's no. like that's how she was freed. You know what I mean? Like tail end it's of slavery awful. in the thick of it, in the middle of all these lynchings and was like, well, I'm going to write about it. And she was um, given a posthumous uh, Pulitzer Prize award. It's amazing. In 2020. That's, oh yeah, I think I remember that. That's really good. My God, that. Uh, anyway, I just, just a bit astounded at how fucking fucked up it must have been for her to have to do that. But then also for her to have like the strength to be able to be like, I have to do this. 
because yeah. otherwise the shit is going like, to be lost. It, I, I do admire all the time when it's something where it's like, I have to do this because literally no one else will. Yeah. Yep. That's what it is. It's so awful. It's so and awful. I just think, I just wonder, okay, I don't, again, I, I didn't, I don't know as much about her personal life as I'm sure you don't know much as much about like uh, Lucy Parsons' personal no. life. But you know, I just wonder what her conversations with W.E.B. Du Bois were like. <laughs> I just think, I just, based off of what I know of her, I just wonder what those, was she like, did she just like kiss her teeth when he came across and then she like talked to him like, yeah, 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 yeah. Or did she agree? I don't know. I got to look into that a little bit more. But I just feel in my heart of hearts, mm-hmm. and hey, maybe I'll be so disappointed again. Maybe I'll find a quote from Ida B. Wells that's like, yeah, like, he's, you go girl to, to. <laughs> But but if I if my heart says she heard him talk about respectability, uh, and then like said yeah sure I, I agree and then turned around and kissed her teeth yeah just, yeah I'm sure I'm sure just, I just I feel that in my heart <laughs> man if we could meet these folks that would be great um somebody else I wanted to talk about because I think it's relevant because we're in the middle of a fucking pandemic um. With everything going on, somebody that I think is super important, who I also didn't find out about, obviously, till later in life, because he's black and queer, um, would be Ortez Alderson. Ortez Alderson is from, he was, like, born in, like, 1940s, um, and he is, or, sorry, 1950s. um, Ortez Alderson is one of the members of ACT UP. So for anybody, so anyways... He's an he was an HIV um, activist as well as a like HIV AIDS activist during the height of AIDS, mm-hmm. um, and also was um, a like queer activist as well. And what I love about him, what so he was queer, he was effeminate, um, and he constantly constantly was getting his ass arrested so another person who's just constantly getting his ass arrested um so essentially he's always been an activist so back in the day before aids before like the aids pandemic before everything that was going on he literally was one of those uh like pacifist activists who would go into the military um headquarters and burn draft files so that they wouldn't draft people Oh, wow. And he got arrested for it. And like, as like a work. black man doing things where you know you're going to get arrested is like, to me, is bananas. Because I'm like, you're not dead. Like, <laughs> you didn't die. And I'm surprised. Truly. That that truly surprising. Um, and then also he talked a lot about queer liberation all the time. And he was very much like, I'm black and I'm queer and I'm HIV positive And like, this is where I am. Um and he also organized, like, so many marches for trans women that were killed, um, like, in New York and his, or, like, in Chicago. And then also he did a lot of work in New York. Um, when he moved to New York, he had joined ACT UP. So for anybody who is interested in, like, radical activism related to pandemics, related to healthcare, you need to look up ACT UP. ACT UP is one of the most insanely, in my opinion, like, amazing organizations because so much of the work that they did was, like... A, like um intersectional before being intersectional was cool so it was like queer folks and black folks and lesbians and you know it was just like it was just amazing and it was just all about 
putting like direct action and direct pressure on governments in the U.S. because in the U.S., they decided that they didn't care that there was a pandemic going on because it was just, you know, black people, like queer people. And they were like, well, fuck you. You can all die. Um, And so he was one of the like members of ACT UP and he would constantly do things like chain himself to politicians like offices. Okay. This is great. So he could like... Just to be like, we're dying. And if you see, there's like a really great picture of him that I think is like pretty popular um, that you can see everywhere. And it's like an LGBTQ history picture because it like shows like black people and like women and folks together for like fighting, like doing the civil rights stuff and doing stuff related to ACT UP and AIDS. Um, And so he's really well known in that sense. But then also like the things that he did for the movement in the sense that he like he organized like people of color like AIDS conferences and you know he he like participated in like the AIDS conference in San Francisco and he you know just he did so much in regards to like intersectionality within AIDS activism and like we don't hear about him ever yeah no I've never heard of this person drives me nuts because I found out about him through this movie called um, I think it was How to Survive a Plague, but they didn't like focus on him. He was just kind of there in the background. And I was like, who is that? Because <laughs> he had obviously died. And, and How to Survive a Plague is they interview like so many people who survived like the 80s and here's, everything. The 80s, here's the thing. The 80s, whenever I, I was talking to someone like a coworker the other day and he was like, you know what I think of the And he's not even white, but he was just like, what I think of the 80s, I think of like neon and he's like i don't (laughs) i don't think i it's not my first thought i think of serial killers i think (laughs) of racism and i think of just like people dying of aids like of aids i I don't like when i think the 80s like yeah sure if i was like if specifically we're listening to music i will think of the music but otherwise if someone's like remember the 80s i'm like yeah it's fucking sucks whenever people are like the 80s were the best time i'm like for whomst for whomst. Even for white people. For whomst. Like, just, like, people being sexually assaulted everywhere? Like, truly. Like, like, like no. any white woman. Any white woman out there listening in the world, if you think the 80s was cool, what? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was cool for one demographic exclusively. Yeah. I think we all know who we're talking about. And <laughs> even then. Even, even then. then, they probably were gonna die of, like, heart disease real fast because they were not eating well it's just so bad i just and the fact that like you can look back and this man who was queer he was black he was hiv positive he's dying and he's out here going like we're dying and you're not doing anything if you're dying that's the time because when you're telling me about the things he did i'm like yo that is crazy that is that is so dangerous but if you're already dying fuck it you know yeah. what? You're not even helping me. I will be doing this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Too bad. Yeah. And that's and the very thing good is, to like, know because. Well, we hear about like, when we think about AIDS activism, obviously we think of like Larry Kramer, who obviously is a gem and, and, and amazing, but mm-hmm. like, or I don't know. Yeah. Like Larry Kramer, I think is like the main person that people think about or, you know, there's people who really, who were also in ACT UP and did a lot of work. But like, my whole thing is like, 
like the people who were most impacted were like trans people of color when uh-huh. it came to AIDS and like black folks who were also queer. Like, so I'm just, I just wish that, that like historically there was more of a conversation about that. Cause like how to survive a plague there, there were like a mix of people of different races, but like the majority of the people who survived that they interviewed are the white guys. Yeah. And it's, and in terms of like uh, black activists, especially queer activists, I feel like people will like point to Marsha P. Johnson a lot, which is great. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, but like Marsha P. Johnson was just trying to live her life. Literally. Like there was like 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 no, and she and, had uh, to fight to fucking survive. She's like and- literally fighting for her life. But the the p and the and like it's good that she is highlighted. And actually, it's probably she's probably the only black trans woman. <laughs> from back in the day that was highlighted yeah that was back in the day that was highlighted but i just like i feel like people don't like when they hear about uh her like i think i was watching a documentary and literally it just feels like this woman was just fighting for her life and it's just i don't know i just i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to say i'm trying to i just feel like the way we talk about black queer like revolutionaries yes they were doing important work but it's just like they were just fighting for they their lives. They were just fighting for their lives. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they wouldn't do this if they didn't have to. No, and the, and they don't get any of the... Not that they don't get any credit, but, like, they're definitely not as, like, front and center as the white folks ever are. Yeah. So when people think about, like, Stonewall... Yeah. They don't think about the black trans women that, like, were the essential part mm-hmm. of the whole Stonewall riot and, and, like, everything that was going on within the, like, pride and, like, gay rights movement. Yeah. Why is, like, every time people talk about things like Stonewall or just, like, the gay rights movement in general, it's, like, Harvey Milk, who, God rest his soul, is amazing, but, like, Harvey Milk or... Very unfortunately played by Sean Penn. In that movie. <laughs> I know, of all people. Um, who else? I'm trying to think. Like, just, like, it's just, like, a lot of white folks. It's a like lot of a white lot folks. Of white men. And it's just, like, a lot of white men. And, yes, like, people who are doing work and doing organizing and everything but i just i'm like the ones when you hear about the people who are like bottom of society's barrel they were just kicking and screaming because it's all they could do yeah no i 100 percent agree that's why i just think it's so strange and also like somebody else that i wasn't sure if i should add is the um somebody that i really admire who would be kwesi balagoon and he was also part of the Black Panther movement, and he was also part, um, and then he joined the splinter group called the Black Liberation Army, which was, like, very militant, and everything they did, they, like, went underground, and then, and he escaped prison three times, I think. Um, oh, that's nice. What a dream of a human being. And he died of complications with AIDS. Um, and and um, it was so interesting because so much of what he did um, informed the work that David Gilbert did, who is a white jewish anti-racist activist who just got released from prison this year or i guess last year um december of 2021 and david gilbert always talks about how i would not be who i am without my best friend kwesi balagoon like and the work that he did and if you just read about the militancy and everything that he did because like the black liberation army a lot of what they did was um reappropriating money through robbery of brinks trucks and I have zero issue with it because, you know, reparations are a thing. And um, they were like, this is ours. So suck my nuts. And they would take the money and then they would put it towards community and 
that would be what they would use to like pay for people to have food and for there to be like tutoring and all sorts of other things and like whatever and other things obviously to keep the movement going like guns but you know also other things that were actually useful um outside of like militant work um and the thing that people don't always talk about is that his partner was a trans woman and like they don't really have that conversation now would he count as queer he's a man she's a woman so technically no but the thing is he was very much an anarchist in the sense, and he was an anarchist. He's also another fellow anarchist, anarcho-communist, but he was very much the type of person who like went against the grain in the sense that he was like, I'm going to date who I'm going to date. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be with who I'm going to be with. And you do not get to look at my masculinity and my sexuality in any different way. Like I'm going to do what I want to do. So for somebody that's like that much so militant if you ever heard him talk my god (laughs) the stuff he would say um very militant very radical and for you to have that juxtaposition of him being like being very okay with being with a trans woman like it's almost unheard of i feel like like the sorry if you ever hear huey if you if you ever have the chance to read huey newton's again god rest his soul um discussion on gay people (laughs) <laughs> i mean he i doesn't my cat after them, him okay he doesn't but, dislike them um, but he says things like even gay people can be revolutionaries and like yeah. that was good that was that for that's, the Black that's for the time that was pretty good that was like seen as like as like mind-boggling so let's just keep that in mind and recognize that one of the most militant hardcore members of the black panthers was dating a trans woman and was like suck my nuts everyone i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do and i just feel like people don't necessarily always discuss that with with militant men people don't discuss that militant men can be queer you know or that or that militant men can date whoever the fuck they want like it's just like not a conversation that they're having because there's this idea that the inherent masculinity means that you also have to be hetero yeah it's not okay (laughs) it's not okay it's It's not okay guys not okay at all um and so that's why we think it's really important if like for black history month if you're like i want to take some time to really find out about like black movements black leaders i strongly suggest you look at the women and the queer folks that exist because you'll learn a way more about the movements from the shit they did than Mm -hmm. i think you'll learn just from reading about the Huey Newtons and the Fred Hamptons you know and like and the thing is they are great they did amazing work but there were people behind them helping them with that work and doing that not work. just behind them people beside them oh doing yes that beside work. them because <laughs> yes the women like they were beside them they were in front of them they were <laughs> they were they were there doing paying for the them work. to leave slavery paying for them to leave slavery I'm just gonna Never, I'll never be over that. Uh, <laughs> the betrayal, I feel, truly. So, yeah, that's why we want you to take this time to really think about that. And think about why it is that these people who are considered so dangerous or so, you know, whatever, radical, why it's so hard to find any fucking information on them. Side note on the uh, Frederick Douglass, after I found out about his uh, behavior, I did change my phone background to his wife. You best believe <laughs> I, I, as reparations, 
She was my background instead. You know, when we do Day of the Dead, you should just have her picture up in <laughs> her picture altar. on a little altar. Yeah. Because I have a, my Day of the Dead altar has a, you know, despite their fucking waste manness, I do have that beautiful picture of Malcolm X and Fidel Castro together. It's mm, nice. It's a good picture, right? It's good. It is. A, it's, it's, it's a pretty good picture. Um, I just wanted to say, I know that this, it's not like necessarily a digression, but I know that we don't want to focus on the straight men. But does it ever blow your mind that Fred Hampton was assassinated at 21? Isn't it wild when you look at some of these people and you're like, oh, they dead early. 21, Catherine. I'm like, how dangerous was he that he was assassinated by the government at 21? Probably not very. Um, (laughs) No, but like if you think about it, like Um, Huey Newton lived into his 40s, also assassinated. But, like, Fred Hampton... Yeah, but it's more that they succeeded earlier. I guess, but it's also just that, like, I think Fred Hampton was truly, like, a pivotal part of the Black Panther movement. hmm So much so that I think they were very concerned about what he would do. It's like Huey Newton became, like, didn't really become necessarily a target, like, he was always a target. But maybe he became a main target once he started organizing white that working really class people. Crazy. Yeah, you're right. It is, that's, that's really crazy. 21? Excuse me? What were you doing at 21? What was I doing at 21? I hadn't even graduated yet. Yeah, nor had I. What were we even doing? What, what had, had we done? Like, in this... Anyways, I just... I mean, you don't have to be a revolutionary, no. But at the same time, that is a wild age to be assassinated. <laughs> I just cannot believe it. It always blows my mind when it, and it makes me sad, but I'm also just like, things haven't really changed much mm-hmm. at all. To be honest, oh, it is what it is. At least fine. he was assassinated for, you know, doing the work instead of just randomly killed just cause. Selling cigarettes or. So, yeah, you know what I mean? Just like walking down the street and you're just like, going oh, for well, a this run. is it. I walked under a bridge and there were three white boys under that bridge as well. And so I died. Like, you know yep. what I mean? I guess. We have to find a fucking silver lining somewhere so that we don't fucking <laughs> off ourselves because we're just like, what is this world? Um, but anyway, let us give our recommendations, Catherine. Girl, what could we possibly recommend at the end of all of this? I mean, um, I, I have a, my couple of recommendations. Please but, do. So Please mine would be, obviously, so... How to Survive a Plague does focus a lot on the white activism part, but I think it's very good and indicative of what's going on right now with the pandemic and the ways in which we're treating disabled people as disposable um, Mm -hmm. and how they treated gay people as disposable and how similar it looks. Um, So How to Survive a Plague is great because it was my foray into understanding that ACT UP specifically had like anti-racism within it and anti-capitalism. Um and uh, the other thing that I'm going to recommend is the show-stopping page turner of a book called the classic uh, the classic writings of anarchist criminology. And if anything, <laughs> I would simply suggest that if you wish to read it, um the essay by Lucy Parsons that I want to find that I that is in this book is ba 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 Lucy Parsons. So um it's it i don't think it has a uh the principles of anarchism by lucy parsons is is a great is a great like i read it and i was astounded at how amazing she was 
I and mean, she was also a staunch believer and obviously as an anarchist, no, she didn't believe in prison. So, hmm. truly, she would have been my soulmate if I had been <laughs> born at that time. Maybe, maybe, maybe my, my picture predictions were right. Maybe you are her. Ugh. Maybe I'm Ida B. Wells. What a dream. Carmen, couples costume. Ah! Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, who's gonna, who's gonna know who the fuck we Guess are? Guess who we are. We should bring, like, a portrait next to... <laughs> <laughs> it's me. Like, are oh you old-timey? Remember that time we were dressed as spinsters and that man asked me if I was Aunt Jemima? I don't want to talk about it. Anyway, my recommendation is Aunt Jemima syrup. Uh, <laughs> no, my recommendation... I was trying to think of something, and the only thing that I could think of that is on topic... Like, I mean, I could recommend Attack on Titan. You don't have to recommend anything that's on topic. No, no, but I feel like I should because I did think of something that's very good, which Uh is very popular. And we didn't highlight this person exclusively, I think, because he's very well known. Mm -hmm. But I Am Not Your Negro about James Baldwin. Love of my life. Yes. Like, um, the writings of James Baldwin uh, as narrated by, in one of his finest performances, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Just like very (laughs) calmly, sweetly talking. It's very good. I am not your Negro. I would recommend to anybody. It's not like, it's mostly like um, narration mm-hmm. and images. Um, but even with just like that very stripped back, like cinema, like, like cinema, it's mm-hmm. very compelling to watch. It's not like it's not like James, like someone pretending to be James Baldwin, like on screen or like acting. It's his writings. Um, and his discussions basically uh, specifically of um, race and revolutionaries that he knew personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very good. Yeah. Oh, and if who if you, if people don't know, James Baldwin was also queer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also I someone like, again, you should definitely look into. People don't know. Sometimes people, you, you like find yeah, out. Yeah, that's always like, wild to me. Although I didn't learn about James Baldwin until I was like 25. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fine not to know about him or not to know things about him, but it is sometimes surprising when you didn't know that heard of him. That was the first thing I learned about. (laughs) You know what I mean? Well, I think that was great. Um, Happy Black History Month, Carmen. Yes, Happy Black History Month. So exciting! Happy African Liberation Month, my friends. Yeah, Happy African Liberation Month. I guess. (laughs) Um, um, You can find me at BCC Williams uh, anywhere on the internet. More pictures of my cats and pictures of my baking and etc. And you, Carmen? Yeah, you can find me at Carmen underscore Maria 416 for all things grief and also sometimes cat sitting related because uh, I don't have my own cats, but I do cat sitting and also grief stuff. Yes, and you can find us at I'd Kill a Spider for You um, basically anywhere on the internet. And you can find us at I'd Kill a Spider number four letter U on Twitter. On Twitter. And please rate and review us and mm-hmm. tell your friends and say, you know, there are these ladies that look exactly like these super hot old dead revolutionaries. <laughs> um, They're like real funny and real good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just do that. Give us five so, you stars. Know, like, like just give us five, give us five um, black fists, black power fists. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, I'm guessing most rating systems don't go that way, so do give us five stars. 